0: December 27th, 2022, we're continuing in Maseche Berachot, where on Daftet Amud Bet, in the wide lines, not the widest, but the wide lines, if you count down, it's four lines down. Uh, just a few words before the end of the line, four words before the end of the line, that the word Tanya. If you recall, the context of this Gibara is the beginning time for Kiryat Shema, What's the first time at which point you can say in the morning? Of course, the Pasuk tells us You say Kiryat not only when you go to sleep at night, but when you wake up in the morning. And the Mishnah dealt with two opinions um, uh, with regards, or three opinions, with regards to the first time for Kiryat Shema The Beraita here in the Gemara will record several other opinions Tanya, Beraita, Rabbi Rabbi Meir explains again dealing with the same issue of what's the first time for Kiriachi Mashal Shahrit, Mish uh, Yakir ben Ze'ev le The first time is at a point when a person will be able to distinguish between a Ze'ev and a Kaleb. A Ze'ev, I think, is a wolf, and a Kaleb, of course, is a dog. Rabbi Akiva ben Hamor le Rabbi Akiva says it's at the point during which you'd be able to distinguish between a donkey and an arod. Rashi says arod is hamor havar, which means, say, a wild um, donkey. So, again, they're very similar one to the other means it's at a later juncture in the day. Uh, then pitch black and uh, even the very beginning of light. Those are two different opinions initially. The Ahirim Omrim, we'll discuss who Acherim is in just a moment, this last opinion. <laughs> it's at the point that you'll see uh, your friend, acquaintance, we'll define that in a moment, at a distance of arba amot, six feet, Kirenu, and you'll be able to know who that is, Didn't you'll the be Mishnah able to define... The Mishnah gave us several different opinions, Beraita, from time to time will bring different opinions to that in the Mishnah, we don't ask it as a contradiction, could we be understand thing, it as could be different, different opinion. opinions, I mean keep in mind we had different names in our Mishnah, we had a Bili'ez in our Mishnah, we had a Oshua. you don't have those names in this beraitah, they're debating, they're dealing with the same issue. Again, the Torah says, we're trying to define what that time is. Uh, So several points to be made. First and foremost, it is interesting, uh, you did bring up the Mishnah. The Mishnah, if you recall, was really focused most, those first two opinions, on the colors, Techelet, Lavan, maybe Techelet and Karti, uh, whereas the Gemara seems to be focused on, I don't know, animals, even human beings, Why would you, uh, why, it's almost as if they're in completely different contexts and completely different uh, vantage points. P'nei Yehoshua and his commentary to this Gemara suggest that the Mishnah is really focused along the lines of that Gemara we cited from Tosafot, that the Gemara over there describes Ur Item Oto, that pasuk which is said in Vayomer of Kiryat you'll see the Techelet, see the Sisit, and in turn, well of course the Torah tells us it'll remind us of all the other mitzvot. The Gemara over there specifically says by seeing the Techelet, you'll be awakened to the mitzvah of Kiryat Shema. So our Mishnah then, is linking the time for Kiryat Shema to the mitzvah of Techelet in that respect, to say, let's associate the beginning time of Kiryat Shema with something having to do with the colors and strands of the sisit. Whereas our Gemara, instead of focusing in that respect on the beginning time, focuses instead on the Pesukim and Kiryat Shema. The Pesukim and Kiryat Shema earlier have the following words means when you're out on the street, when you're on your way. When you're on your way, what sort of things are you going to be looking at? Not so much the strands on, your, on, on the corners of your, of your garment, you're rather going to be seeing ze'ev and kelev and you're going to be hamor and an arod and a friend or a foe. In other words, that's what we're focused on here in the Gemara. That's the different vantage points for, with regards to establishing the first time. Okay, that's the first issue to perhaps be addressed. Second thing to be addressed is, who are these acherim? It's a technical point, but Tosafot makes this point. The Gemara Masechet Horayot describes that whenever the Beraitah or Mishnah records the opinion of acherim, it's referring to Ribbimeir. The difficulty over here is that this Beraitah begins with, we started the learning today with Tanya Ribbimeir Omer. Well, if Rabbi Meir's opinion is recorded, we then saw the opinion of Rabbi Akiva, and then you're recording the opinion of Ahirim. Well, that's Rabbi Meir again. He's not contradicting himself, is he? Tosafot, therefore, on our page suggests, Ibura Matahila Ahirim, that there's an exception to the rule. This time, Ahirim is not a reference to Rabbi Meir, even though in general it is. Alternatively, different Rishonim, Tosafot and suggest maybe it's at two points in the life of Rabbi Meir. Or maybe that's his first opinion, and then he had a different it's in opinion. A uh, well, I mean, again, you when can you you, with you, hachamim? you, you well, hachamim as well as in the plural, and it need not mean a plural. Uh, so sometimes <laughs> you'll have a machlok and be the hachamim. It's really a reference to the Beoshua. Just call it hachamim. It's the other opinion. It's the opinion you're perhaps going to be the the they, the royal they in that respect. Um. Alternatively, it's a reference to him recording. This is a, another opinion, in the Rishonim, the opinion of his rabbi. One of his rabbis or teachers, better yet, is Elisha ben Avuya, Elisha ben Avuya, the famous Ahair. Described in Masechit Hagiga, who goes off the path of Torah and mitzvot, but was nonetheless a mentor and a teacher to Rebim Eir. When Rebim Eir is recording his opinion, that's how it's recorded, as Ahirim. We don't even refer to him by his name. He's the other, or the others. Okay, those. that's, that's with regards to Ahirim. Which friend, which acquaintance are we talking about when we say, if you see him six feet away, and you recognize him? Tosafot quotes from Talmud Yerushalmi that it's a reference to a friend that you're not too comfortable and uh, and and consistent in your relationship with them because then you'd uh, recognize them even miles away, even almost in pitch black. Alternatively, it's not someone you don't know at all because even if they're very close, you wouldn't recognize them or really know them. It's rather a person that you're in an in-between type of relationship with. It's a person, Tosafot, uh, I think the Talmud gives the example of it's a, they, they come to your inn from time to time, maybe we would say something like they come to the office uh, once a month or something along those lines. That's that's what we're talking about when we refer to the ahirim, okay. Well, that's the three opinions here in a biraita again, either between zeev and caliph, hamur Le'arod, arod, or mishia kiret havero ber Amar ba'amot. Amarafuna halakha ka'ahirim ravhuna says, with regards to this biraita, the halakha is like that last opinion. What's that last opinion? Mishia kiret havero ber hukal ba'amot riyakirenu. Amara baye disagrees. He says, Listen, the ahirim are an important opinion. This seeing the friend for Amot uh, away and, and recognize him. However, not with regards to kriyat shema, rather, Litfilin rather, When do we say the halacha? the beginning time is, at that juncture, which we haven't really filled out, and we won't necessarily today, that's for putting on Tefilin, which is at a time prior to saying Kriyat Shema. Lekriyat shema when can you begin saying Kriyat Kivatikin? That would need to be according to the way of the Vatikin. What is a Vatikin? Oftentimes we refer to the word Vatik as old. Rashi over here says Vatikin is a reference to Anashim Anavim, it's people who are humble, "um ummechabibin mitzvah, and they love mitzvot. That's what Vatikin, but we're specifically referring to their way. What's the way of these Vatikin, quote-unquote? bi Vatikin im hene Hama, the vaticin these pious humble people who love mitzvot they would finish it that's a reference to Kiriyachima, im hene hama together with hene Hama. why do i say hene Hama and not like some punctuation in some gemarot hane tahama uh the reason is although i see in front of me it says hane Hama in this uh gemara i would i would pronounce it as Henetahama, because uh, the Pasuk in Shir HaShirim, which this is probably somewhat based upon, it's Henesu Harimonim. Henetahama means it almost flowers. The, the sun kind of flowers in front of you or blossoms in front of you. It's not that we call it the Netahama time period, it's rather the Henetahama time period. It's As it's happening, the conjugation then should be. Henetz, as opposed to punctuating it, Hanetz. Anyway, uh, the opinion here of the Vatican is that Shema this is what many people refer to as a Netz Minyan, right? Even though probably it should be according to what I'm telling you, the Henetz Minyan. But anyway, this is uh, at the Kiriachema, and Gaal Yisrael finishes immediately before. The sun rises above the mountains, that's what we describe as Hinezahama. Uh that being the case, that's a strange statement here in the Gemara with regards to our practice today, because what the Gemara then is telling us is that the Halacha Abaye has stated, follows the Vatikin that you must say Kiriyachima at that time, immediately before the full sunrise, and go straight into Amida. Well, that's that's hard to believe. Firstly, as Tosafot points out, we've had contrary statements in the Gemara beforehand with regards to the Halakha. If you recall, just in the last Amud, and two Amudim, we had these opinions, Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, Mishum Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai. What's the earliest time to say Kiryat Shema? And we preceded Henei we went all the way back to Alot and we certainly went later. It appears. So, what type of statement is this here in the Gemara Tosafot, as well as the majority of the Rishonim, suggest that this is just ideal. It represents the ideal time for saying Kiryat Shema, although it can even be said earlier. So, although Abaye seems to be telling me the absolute time, the way instead that Tosafot and many of the Rishonim understand this Gemara is that Netzminyan Minyan is ideal. It's not the absolute necessity. says the Gemara Tanya Amei Did we have a Beraita, which directly accords to this last statement of Rabbi Yochanan, Vatikin, these people who love mitzvot and have a certain humble and u- a life, a way of life which is filled with humility, Hayugomrin Ota, they would finish Kiryat Shema, Im Henei Kedeh, in order to, Shismok Geula L'tefila, Benimsa Metpalel Bayom. Finishing Kiryat Shema immediately at the time of Henei Hama would then lead into going from Gaal Israel into Amida and praying at the very beginning of the day. Uh, Maharsha points out in this Gemara, what's the idea, we may have mentioned this last time, of Kiryat starting at the time when the sun just emerges? He likened it to the Gemara dafzain which talked about the time during which the Melchei HaOlam are putting those crowns on their heads, the king, the kings of the world, and worshiping, bowing, prostrating themselves to the sun. They worship the sun once upon a time, and in turn, the way of countering that, of showing the, uh, the way of Am Yisrael who worship the true goddess where mekabel true Al malchut at the exact time that so to speak they're angering God through their wrongful um, worship of the sun. Amar zera my kar'ah Says uh, Rabbi Zerah, I can point to a pasuk that's not going to be the source, per se. There is no source for the first time for Kiryat but it's what we'll call a remez. We'll read this pasuk and appreciate the concept of saying Kiryat immediately before Henetzahama The pasuk goes as follows, Yira Ucha Im Shamesh, filifne Yareach Dor Dorim, this pasuk in Tehillim, describes Yira Ucha, Rashi says, Milashon Yira, of course, the true fear of God could and will be felt shamish, at the time that the sun is rising. I finish kiriat shema, kavalat true fear and awe of heaven, at that time. Furthermore, ve'lifnei of course, is before the moon, says Rashi, by the way, Maybe there's something being nodded to implicitly in the Gemara, Bak Minha being Im chama, as the sun is going down. Irrespective of that second part, the first part is the significant part for us. Vatikin, the Remez in the Pasuk and Teelim is that the Yira is felt and manifested best at the time that it's imshamish He'id, hey, says the Gemara, Rabbi Yoseb ben Eliakim, Mishum Kihila Kadisha de Birushalayim. There was a testimony of some sort of Rabbi Yoseb ben Eliakim, from, in the name of the Kihila Kadisha, the Holy Congregation of Jerusalem. Who were they? On the right-hand side of the page, you have the commentary of Rav Nisim Gaon. Rav Nisim Gaon, in turn, quotes from the Gemara de Bnei Ma'arava. That's a reference to Talmud Yerushalmi. He says in Masechet Ma'aseh Sheni of Talmud Yerushalmi, they explain that the reason this congregation, whatever this community in Jerusalem at that time was, it was consisted of primarily two... Um, main rabbis and mentors. Who were they? Rabbi ben Hamishulam and Rabbi ben Okay, so that's that's what made them holy? No. Rabbi Nisim Gaon goes further and he explains that the Gemara there explains elsewhere that there were two traits that they had that set them apart. Number one, they split their days into threes. The third was prayer, a third was Torah, and a third was... Uh, work was Melacha that shows how kid Kadosh they were they were able to integrate their day in perfect thirds uh, alternatively, I, either was a different practice or something along the lines in some different respect, the kiddusha was manifested in the following way. They used to work during the months of the summer, I guess agriculturally, out in the field, and they used to study Torah, I guess primarily during the months of the winter. That's what gave them that Kedushah. Okay, irrespective of those details, here's the testimony of uh, Rabbi Yosef ben Eliakim in the name of that holy congregation of Jerusalem, Kol <laughs> HaSomech, a person uh, juxtaposes, a person puts Kiriachima right before, again, gal Yisrael, and then Amida, He won't be harmed the entire day. Now, before the Gemara questions this, Tosafot furthermore questions this, Tosafot says, but we do this all the time. I mean it's rare to find, certainly it's, it's, you're not going to find a congregation that stops in between Gali and the Amidah, but it's rare to find any person, everyone is somewhat aware of the fact that you go straight from Gali Yisrael and to Tefillah. Wait a second, does that mean we're never harmed? Does that mean that we live these carefree lives in which we have nothing to fear? Tosafot therefore suggests that contextually, this Gemara, although it doesn't spell it out explicitly, is really referring to Somech Geulalitfila, Kedere Chavatikin. We're talking about Geulalitfila, we're going straight into Tefila. Within it, it's a Then, and again, even that promise, don't take it too simplistically, but then the promise is you won't be uh, harmed all day. Does it actually mean that? Again, the Gemara will take it somewhat seriously, but primarily and fundamentally, I think it means you've tapped yourself into a connectedness with God if you've properly formulated in your mind what you're doing. And that brings us back to a statement the Gemara will quote here, but quoted on Def Dalid already. And that is that anyone who someh ge'ulah litvila is a ben ulam habar. A ben u'yonah, if you recall, interpreted that as follows. He says that the idea of a redemption, a ge'ulah from Egypt, could be interpreted in one of two ways. Any redemption brings you freedom from something, or freedom to something else. The question is, when we were redeemed from Egypt, did we just become free people? We were just freed from Egypt and now we're on our own? Or alternatively, did we then channel that to God? The idea of going straight from Geula into Tefillah means that we make clear our freedom as human beings, our freedom once upon a time and today, is really just in order to get into Avodat Hashem, in order to worship, in order to sacrifice ourselves, our lives to you, God. It's not that we sought or seek a freedom just for the sake of freedom, so we run from something, but rather we dedicate it to you as well. That's the idea of ge'ula And in turn, in our Gemara, that's the idea of going from hene, during hene tzahamah, smichat ge'ula litfilah, amar Bizera Zera, says Rebi Zera, is that really so? Ve'ana samche ve'itzakeh. I am so mech litfilah. And nonetheless, I've been harmed. And apparently, according to Totsafot, he's saying, I do it behene tzahamah, I do ne'itzminan, the Vatikin they responded to the bizera, that's really your claim? Let's understand, what is it that you got harmed with? Apparently, they think his life was pretty good. What happened that was so difficult for you? zakat, so to bizera, what happened to you that you're complaining and saying, oh, it didn't really work? The amtayat asa le it says, I had to, uh, I was coerced, I was forced into taking asa, means hadasim, myrtle branches, le to the monarchy, to the kingship. That was a difficult time that Rabbi Zerah had to undergo, difficult uh, experience, and he's questioning. I do ge'olah litfilah simichut. Hatam, says the, says, say the, said the rabbis back to Rabbi Zerah. Hatam over there, mi akra, Not only was that not harm, Rabbi Zerah, you should have paid in order to be a part of that experience. It reminds me, I have a, a, a sibling who once was teaching in a school, as an in-between he's not a teacher as a profession but in between jobs in between experiences teaching somewhere and he was doing it in order to make a living. And he was very angered at the time when someone who was involved in the school said to him, you shouldn't be paid off from the school, you should be paying the school. The school is giving you an opportunity to grow and to learn. You're an amateur and you should be... Oh, come on, that's a difficult statement. But that's the statement, so to speak, of Tuna Bizerada. Bizarra, that was hard for you? You should have paid for that. Go, what do you mean it was hard? I had to go to the king. It was. I was nervous. I, I had to take off from my work, from my learning. no, 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 no. that's something special. What was special about it? After all, we have statement. You should always run to greet Israel, the monarchy of uh, Am Yisrael. It's a mitzvah to honor the monarchy, the king of Israel. But not only that. His fears all should be upon you. But not only for Am Yisrael kings. Also, even for non-Jewish kings. Why so? There's no kingship that I have a mitzvah of honoring and giving that kabod to if they're not Jews. If you merit, you have if you will merit to living to the end of days when Amisrael will be rebuilt, when we have our kingship, you'll be able to say, Oh, look at our kingship. You see that honor? You see that dignity? You see that majesty? It pales in comparison to what the non-Jews had before. You'll only be able to compare the two if you've experienced the non-Jewish one. So it's almost a way of anticipating the future kingship of Am Yisrael. Alternatively, there are suggestions, mentioned in a class during the summer actually, um, that, that the idea over here, I think Rabinu Yonah elsewhere suggests something along these lines, and it goes as follows, to appreciate the majesty of God, to appreciate the awe of heaven that we should have is very difficult. We don't have any analog. We don't have anything analogous or similar in this world. The way to be able to do so is to appreciate honor in this world. Go look at people and situations that have pomp and ceremony and, and a stature and status and say, if I take that and I channel, I say, Well, then, says Rabbi Yochanan, there's something meritorious about being involved in that experience. In turn, we say to Rabbi Zerah, Rabbi you're, you're you're complaining about the fact that you had to go to the king with those myrtle branches? That was an experience that was worth paying for. Also oh, the Gemara kind of resolved that issue. Now the Gemara records a different conversation. Bi says to his to Ki When you rise to there, when you get into Eris Israel, Ula was dispatching from Babel to Eretz Israel, says Rabbi Ilah, when you get there, please ask Please ask about how my brother Rav um, Biruna is doing the shalom of him. Oh, let's re- greet him and say, tell him I'm thinking about him. B'ma'amad kol ask him while all of the Haburah, all of the gathering and community is standing around him. In other words, he's an important person who will have everyone standing around him. Furthermore, he deserves that you ask him with honor, not just heke, you knock on his door and say your brother's asking about you. Ask him in, 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 in a public context and forum because he deserves it. I'll tell you why. The adam gadol ho. This rabbiruna is a, a very big, great person, not in terms of physical uh, appearance, but rather in terms of his spiritual buildup. The be mitzvot. It's not only great in terms of his spirituality, he loves mitzvot. And I know some people like this, and oh, it's beautiful when you encounter a person who truly loves mitzvot. I mean, most people just perform mitzvot, because hey, okay, we need to do it. Maybe they feel good after they do it. Who loves as they're doing it? How many people? It's a, it's a pleasure. It's something special to be able to encounter a person who throughout the day is excited to perform a mitzvah, almost that naivete of a child. There's one person specifically. Sometimes I call him or he calls me and I have conversations. It's just, and I tell him all the time. It's, for me, it's inspirational how much he loves and is passionate about his avodat Hashem. That's the description here of Rav Biruna. Zimna, for example, says, uh, says, says, uh, Ribi let me tell you something about Rabruna. Bruna. one time samach One time he went straight from Ge'al to into Amida. Again, Tosafot says, not really one time. One time he did it behen hama. Even that's a little interesting. But okay, at the very least he did it once, the vatikin, the netz minyan. And his face didn't stop smiling, laughing, and rejoicing over that the entire day. I remember when I was younger, the first time I prayed in the Vatikin Minyan, uh, it was during winter break, and I, one of my rabbis from high school, Rabbi Kroll, picked me and my friend up, and we drove to the Kotel uh, for, for a net. and we talked about it all day. So one time I had this, experience. I was a kid, and it was very exciting for me. If I would do it today, if I've done it today, I don't, unfortunately, got as excited about it. Here's a grown adult who did it. Oh, look how special that is. Again, you could roll your eyes at it, but you can alternatively appreciate a healthy, naivete and excitement and passion that people bring to Torah and mitzvot that's the description here and why is it being mentioned now with Gemara for of course the Simichut Geulah Tfilah says the Gemara but wait a second we have a technical issue how Maseh Yachol Samich to make them close one to the other how do you go straight from Gali to Amidah it's not doable doesn't don't we have a statement of the Ohanan that the proper structure of the Amidah is before the Amidah begins which of course is the first words Baruch Ata Amonayil Beforehand, you quote, and you're supposed to say the pasuk, and at the end of the Amidah, after you say, But the most significant part for us is the first statement. That breaks it up. I went from Gal Israel, start Amidah. No, before you start Amidah says Rabbi say Hashem Svatay Tiftach. Am Svatay Tiftah Broke it up. Now you don't have someichad keulah <laughs> litfila. I'm going tehibitfila shil arbeit. Maybe the statement that you say of Rabbi Ochanan Hashem Svatay is only during the Arbit. Of course, you and I are already familiar with the fact that we don't only do it but during arbeit. Why would that be an answer? Because the assumption at this point is Giulah being samuch לתפילה, is only in Shahrit. Why would it only be in Shahrit? After all, Shahrit was the time of the actual Giulah from Egypt. So that's when you do it. Maybe not in Arbit. So it's Gimala, no. And Rabbi Arbit himself says, E'ezu ben ha'olam ha'ba, arbit, shel arbit. The statement of Rabbi Yohanan is that a ben ha'olam that's the statement we were referring to earlier, is a person who during Arbit juxtaposes ge'ula Litfila. Why would it apply even to Abit? Either because, as Rashi told us earlier in the Masechet, as we learned in the last Gemara, the Ge'ulah began at night. Right? The Ge'ulah began at night. We had the the Mitzrayim, the Israel. Even at night, we were aware that we were going to be free. The Egyptians gave up, they loosened their grip upon us. Alternatively, there's a Hekesh, B'Shoch the Ge'ulah it's going to be the same as it is B'Shoch Becha. But that being the case, Hashem oh, can't be. Neither in Arbit nor in Shahrit. So okay, we could answer that. Arbi Minha. Maybe the statement of Biyochana that you start with Hashem Svatay Tiftach is only in Minha. There's no Gal Israel in Minha. That's how we solved it. Rav Asher who of course we're gonna follow because we know we say Hashem Svatay Tiftach both in Shahrit as well as Arbit and even Minha, of course akulhu. You can argue that Hashem svatay That statement of Rabbi Yochanan, that you recite that pasuk from Tehilim is akulhu. It's said about all the Amidas that we uh, that we say. The And once the rabbis established Mamunai svatay Tiftah as part of the Amidah, it becomes kitvila arichtadamya. It becomes an elongated, a stretched out Amidah. In other words, you're no longer starting with Baruch, you're starting with Hashem Ftah. That is part of your Amidah. The Tema because if you don't argue like this, that when the Rabbi is established as part of the structure of the prayer, something, it becomes an extension of the first part, well, think for a moment, we'll read in the Gemara afterwards about Albit. Albeit, you go from Gal Israel. you don't start Amidah. You say hashkivenu afterwards. Obviously, hashkivenu. If you're telling me we need simichat Geula li-tvila, hashkivenu is going to be appended. It's going to be connected to the ga'al yisrael. We're going to call that a geulah arichta, an elongated redemption. Ga'al yisrael gets connected to hashkivenu, just like Hashem v'atai Tiftah will be connected to Amidah. We'll call it a tefila Arichtah, a stretched out, elongated prayer. The ilate If you don't argue, say like this that we elongate it, we stretch it out through the rabbi's addition of these statements and prayers. Arbit, in Arbit, Hechimase samik. how are you uh, making close one to the other, the Gaal Yisrael and the lememar. Don't you need to? Why is this a better argument than the last one? Because the last one is Rabbi Yohanan. Rabbi is not in the Mishnah. Rabbi Yohanan is telling us to say Hashem Hashkiven was in the Mishnah. We know already they said Hashkivenu from the time of the Mishnah. The fact that they're already telling us that, and we're accepting, you need even uh, we should render for us, ela kevan, the following statement, once the rabbis establish Hashkivenu as part of the arbit, ga'al Yisrael, kigge'ulah we should compare it, we con- should consider it as a stretched out, elongated ga'al Yisrael, hachena over here, since the rabbis established it as part of the Tefillah, this is considered part of the Tefillah, the Amidah. Let's just read a few more lines in the Gemara. Says the Gemara, "Michdeh." let's analyze this. We talk a moment ago about Yihil Imrefi. At the end of the Amidah, those words, let's think about those words just for a moment. Translate them. Rason Imrefi. Imrefi means the words of my mouth. Rason means they should be your will, your desire, God. Now I can have a conversation with you, we could have a class, we could have a heart to heart, and I could say at the end, "Please take my word seriously." I could say that both at the beginning and at the end. So why is it the Gemara is going to ask? Are those words only at the end of the Amidah? Maybe those words should be at the beginning of the Amidah. Now you'll say to me, no, 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 we need You just told me Hashem Svatay is included as part of the Amidah. Maybe should be the beginning of the Amidah, maybe a conclusion of Ga'al Yisrael. Why is it that we only say those words at the end of the Amidah? Why not at the beginning as well? Let's analyze. Hi, these words, this Pasuk, it can sound like a statement which comes after a request Umash Mamiikara Debainal Mima And it sounds like as well a beginning part, which should be said. Maitaama tiknuha rabbanan tiknuhu rabanan the Hashimone Sreberakot why did the rabbis establish it only at the end of the Amidah? Why not at the beginning as well? Or just at the beginning? Why shouldn't it be said at the beginning? The suggestion here of the Gemara, this opinion is that we need to analyze this Pasuk in its context in Tehillim. And in turn, appreciate the wisdom of the rabbis in establishing the Amidah. The Amidah, of course, used to have only 18 verachot. Today it has 19. We'll learn about that later on, the addition of one verachah del laminim vlamal shinim, as we have it today. Once upon a time, it was 18. And the rabbis were very, Anshay Knesset HaGidula, who put this together, were very meticulous, very careful about every word, every statement, every request, the ordering, and so forth. So the suggestion goes as follows. Pay attention to the Mizmorim and Tehillim. The suggestion here of the Gemara is if you count up the Mizmorim and Tehilim, the paragraphs, the statements in Tehilim, you'll get up to number 19 when you're at Yuhi L'Ratzon, And in turn, the same way David only says Yuhi after the first 18, so too we only say, we structure our Amidah to a certain extent after the way David did it in Tehilim only after the first 18 berachot. 18 mizmorim parallel to 18 berachot. Yilaratzon coming afterwards, Yilaratzon coming afterwards. The Gemara will question, and will end with the, just the question, pick up with this next time, says the Gemara, Hanei Shemona Chayesre Havyan. Says the Gemara, but wait a second, the count is not right. If you count our mizmorim and tehillim as we have it, Yilaratzon will come after the 19th mizmor, not after the 18th. So how is it then that we're suggesting that the Amidah is paralleled? Now again, you might say, no, so Yihil came only after we had 19, but it's not so. We're understanding Yihil was when we only had 18 berachot in the Amidah. So why do we have it so? So let's just read the answer. We won't read the proof for it. Ashere ha'ish goyim the suggestion of the Gemara is those first two Mizmorim, which today we count as Mizmor Alef, Ashre Ha'ish, or Ash'are Ha'ish, and Lammara which we count as Mizmor Bet, the second Mizmor, the second Perek are really were really counted by the Rabbis once upon a time as one. Why were they in turn separated? We can discuss. Why were they considered one? The Gemara will discuss. But that in turn explains the structure of the Amidah, the Yehul Ratzon is not said at the beginning, but rather at the end, after 18, because it was directly mirroring the way David has it, the way Tehilim has it, in our Amidah. Baruch Adonai le'ulam. Amen ve'amen.